to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. When it comes to big or small projects around the home, Tony and Corey have got the know-how and the answers to make your life just a bit easier. Here they are, your Weekend Warriors, Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. I'm Corey Valdez. And I'm Tony Cookston. Thanks for tuning in with us today. We've got another great episode of the Weekend Warriors for you. Yes. Tony and I come to you every weekend. We talk about home improvement type stuff. Yeah. And uh, we are, uh, Tony and I work for Par Lumber Company. We've been with Par Lumber for uh, combined over 40 years experience. Yes. And uh, we know a lot about uh, Weekend Warrior stuff. Yeah. If you own a home, essentially, if you own a home, then the stuff we're talking about pertains to you. Right. And you should be a Weekend Warrior. We know that you can get out there and work on your house and do projects. And that's what Tony and I are here to do. We're here to motivate you to get off the couch, get some stuff done. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder if we should have named the show instead of uh, the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Maybe we should have named it the Weekend Warriors Home Maintenance Show. Or the Weekend Warriors Get Off the Couch Show. Yeah. <laughs> I like that name the best. <laughs> uh, today we're going to, we've actually titled the show Breaking Down the House. And um, we are going to be talking about all of the elements. All of the elements. If you uh, poke your head into the crawl space, uh, we're going to tell you what a crawl space is, first of all. And then we're going to tell you about all that stuff that you see. When you poke your head uh, or don't see. into the crawl space or don't see. Yeah, um, this is going to be it's kind of there's a lot of terminology, right? You're going to hear words that um, that you maybe haven't heard before. We're going to describe that stuff and explain it to you. And and, um, and we're just going to kind of work our way through the house, starting underneath the house and making our way all the way to the roof. We're going to build a house from the ground up. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mentally. Mentally. And and verbally. This is a verbal house building class, kind of. At least at the end, you'll be able to identify the things that are in your house, and that will make things for you going forward easier. One of the barriers that a lot of homeowners run into when they're taking on the project of maintaining or or improving their home, one of the barriers they run into is not being able to speak the language to the people who supply them with the stuff that they need. Tools, uh, materials, uh, advice, services, all of that stuff. Your money ahead if you can speak the language of the people in the business because they understand you the first time, they feel like you know what you're talking about, and then you're talking on the same level. Um, so or you might not. You might get taken advantage of. Somebody might climb under there. You hire somebody to go take a look at something down there, and they say, oh, well, you've got some issues with uh, your washer fluid that's down there making problems. I mean, we've all kind of heard those nightmare stories of of things where people take advantage of somebody that don't that doesn't know what that they should. That they, they don't know that there's no such thing as washer fluid. <laughs> right. Your washer fluid in the uh, in the underneath of your home, the home underneath, uh, the washer fluid is bad, and we need to replace that. That yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about. People take advantage. So. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about this kind of stuff. It's gonna be super interesting. Uh, lots of really good things. Let's go ahead, Corey, and and rock and roll. Let's get started. What is what is the the very first thing that gets done if somebody's building a home? Uh, what's the very first thing that needs to be done after the property is purchased? What's the first thing that's got to happen? Well, they dig out the foundation, and there's many different types of foundations. There are you know uh, basements. There's crawl spaces. Uh, there's sloped lots where you have 
uh, a daylight, daylight basement, a daylight yeah. basement, all of these things, they they're all have one thing in common. They all have a foundation. And that foundation is exactly what it sounds like. It is the foundation of your house. Mm -hmm. So they dig out, they make room for your house, the footprint, so to speak. And they dig down because they need to find a hard pan, right? That you don't want to build or set the foundation on backfill. So they dig down to find a hard pan and they test the ground, make sure that it's good to go. And then they pour a foundation. Yeah. And part of it too is, you know, de defining where the main level of your home sits on your property. You know, you wouldn't necessarily want uh, your foundation being built up high. So then you have to take stairs up to your house <laughs> every time you walk into it. Right. Yeah. One step, two steps. Okay. But right. You know, if you all of a sudden you're putting three feet of foundation on top of the ground and then you're building stairs up to it. So they dig down to make it, uh, you know, as level with ground level as possible. Uh, so you're going to, that's what the first thing you're going to see. You're going to get down there. You're going to see the concrete footing all the way around in that concrete footing. There are foundation vents. Foundation vents are there. Typically, if you have, depending on construction, there's a lot of different methods for construction. Uh, we're going to talk about the most common, uh, but foundation vents are very popular. Yeah. I'm going to just quickly take one step backwards. Um, there is a such thing as a monopore and a monopore is when you've poured the footing and the foundation wall in one pour. Um, sometimes they'll pour the footing first, which is a little bit wider and deeper. And then they pour the foundation wall on top of the footing. Just, just to clarify a couple of different terms there. Um, the foundation, uh, is a two part foundation unless it's a monopore and it's, uh, both poured at the same time. And sometimes that lowest floor down there is even all concrete. We would call that slab on grade. Yep. Where your your first, very first bottom floor is a, a concrete slab. And in that, there's all kinds of things like rebar, and there's even styrofoam that will insulate that from the, the ground, the cold beneath. Uh, there's all kinds of things like that down in that. But in a crawl space, you're going to get down there, you're going to see uh, some very prevalent things. There's going to be visqueen. Visqueen is just heavy-duty black plastic. Tony, do you know why it's supposed to be black? Um, because the you don't want to be able to see the worms that are crawling around underneath it. <laughs> well, that's part of it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, during the construction process, it can be open to the elements for a period of time. Will be. Will yep. be. And if you have clear plastic and it's moist under there and the sun's coming through. Greenhouse effect. Yeah, you're creating a, a space that is very conducive to uh, different funguses. So you don't want to do that. So they use black plastic uh, that doesn't allow any photosynthesis going on down there. Uh, but no, you're going to see yeah, that. No picture taking. <laughs> That's going to be the first thing down there is black plastic. And the, the purpose of that is it's called a moisture barrier. And that moisture barrier does exactly what it sounds like. It keeps the moisture from the earth in the earth. <laughs> so yeah. if you were to peel that back, it's, it's wet. It's probably going to be wet. Yeah. Uh, unless you're in the middle of a dry summer. Or in the desert. Or in the desert. That ground will be wet. Right. Which means that that vapor barrier is doing its job. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's the first thing first. You want to keep that very vapor barrier. It's, it's very important to keep that. Uh, in newer construction, you'll see that even come up the sides of the walls. Yep. You may even see some radon mitigation 
Uh, radon is a gas that is down naturally in the ground in certain areas, not all areas, but it can occur uh, in almost anywhere. And what it is, is that gas will build up and then kind of float up into your house. And it's not good for you. So they'll put in this uh, piping system to get rid of it. So you may see that down there. Yeah, absolutely. Man, this is good stuff. I can't believe how fast it's going. We got to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about what's underneath the house, what you need to pay special attention to, what holds your house up off the ground. As soon as we come back, you're listening to Tony and Corey, your weekend warriors, and we're breaking down the house. Being a homeowner in today's market isn't easy. With families hanging on to their homes longer, energy efficiency and long-term quality have become top priorities. Future generations will benefit from the choices you make today. Make the right choice. Invest in your family's future with Plygem Windows, available at area par lumber locations. You'll enjoy designer, low-maintenance windows at a price that won't jeopardize the kids' college fund. They're approved by the National Association of Home Builders and Energy Star Certified. So why do people shop at PAR? Because we know that people who want to build need selection, competitive pricing, on-time delivery, and real experts who really know how to give expert advice. Just ask Shana. We help design projects all the time. Let's take a look at your plans. That's why people shop at PAR. If you've got a project you need help with, visit any one of our PAR locations across the Pacific Northwest. To find a location near you, visit PARR.com. For a look that reflects your style, choose Marvin Windows and Doors. They'll enhance the essence of a room and the character of a home. Beautifully crafted with the most extensive selection of customizable options, it's easy to complement your vision. Marvin Windows and Doors are sold only at independent dealers who understand your home is more than your address. It's a feeling you create in a place that holds your dreams. Marvin Windows and Doors built around you. Find exceptional service and inspiration at Par Design Center, your local Marvin dealer. Start your project with a trip to their Aloha location, where Par Design Center's experts can help you find easy and stylish replacement solutions for your next remodeling project. Family owned and operated since 1930. Go where the builders go. Par Design Center. Call Par Design Center at 503-614-2655 or visit online at par.com. That's P-A-R-R.com. Trex is the world's number one decking brand and the inventor of wood alternative composite decking. Trex is committed to helping you create a low maintenance backyard retreat that can handle the outdoors without depleting them and will do so for decades because your weekends should be spent relaxing on your deck, not repairing it. Choose from four distinct collections and 21 colors to meet any design aesthetic on any budget with the comfort of a 25-year fade and stain warranty. Trex, outdoor living elevated. Visit Trex.com for more. When you want to enhance your home's curb appeal with the look of real wood, choose real wood, like Shakertown Cedar Siding. The genuine natural color and grain of Shakertown products offers a great cedar siding solution for your project, adding dimension and drama to your home's exterior. 
Whether you select individual sidewall shakes, pre-manufactured Craftsman shingle panels, or pre-primed Cedar Cove shingle panels, your cedar siding will stand the test of time, outlasting building trends and its competition. Made with 100% clear vertical grain heartwood cedar, nothing compares to the rich appearance and outstanding performance of our cedar shingle panels. They resist the effects of the sun, rain, pests, and time. For 50 years, Shaker Town has been beautifying and protecting homes. A true American original. Visit shakertown.com to learn more. At PAR, we're more than just lumber because we know people want more than just lumber. That's why we sell grills, sealers, stains, wheelbarrows, rags, bags, extension cords, shop lights, saws, blades, ladders, and oh yeah, Yeti coolers and Yeti thermoses. Visit your local PAR Lumber and find any one of the many, many things that we sell every single day. back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today in the show, Tony and I are going to talk about uh, the house. We're going to break down the house in every way. Uh, we're going to build the house verbally from the ground up. And uh, before the break, we were talking about, you know, the underfloor, that everything goes into it, the foundation and the visqueen. And what that visqueen does is it keeps the moisture and all the bad stuff down below grade. Um, what are some other things, Tony, that you would see uh, in that crawl space or under floor. Well, you did talk about foundation vents. You mentioned foundation vents. I don't know if you said uh, that foundation vents allow ventilation to come through underneath the home to keep it from getting stagnant, right? To keep fresh airflow down through there. Um, those foundation vents have little plastic lids that open and close, which flaps. Yeah. Flaps, if you will, that sort of, um, uh, discourage airflow during the winter months. And then you open those up to encourage uh, airflow in the summer months. They also have a wire cage, uh, a screen, a screen, a wire screen to keep rodents and things from coming in and out. Oftentimes you'll find that a vent like that has been compromised and that uh, allows rodents to come and go and, and other types of things. So that's something to look out for. You'll see that underneath there. Uh, the other thing you're going to see really, Corey, uh, on top of the foundation is going to be the understructure of your home, like the lumber that holds the floor up. Yeah, and there are so many different options there. Uh, let's talk about the most popular ones. Uh, the Probably the biggest one in our area here is what's called a post and a beam. Post and beam construction is exactly that. It's built with posts that sit on pier pads, and you have beams that hold up the decking. And those posts sit on uh, these. You'll, you'll get down there. If you know you have post and beam, they'll... There'll be all these four by four or four by six or six by six posts everywhere. Yep. Like 50 of them. Yep. And you'll see you'll see them uh, sitting on top of a concrete pier, which is about 18 or 24 inches round, usually or square sometimes be sitting on top of that concrete pier. And usually right underneath that post, you'll see um, like a piece of asphalt shingle, something that would be used for roofing. And they do that because the asphalt doesn't allow moisture to transmit from the concrete to the wood. That extends the life of the post. Oftentimes those posts aren't treated, and that's because they don't make contact with the ground. As long as they're uh, 
there's a little shingle there underneath that keeps it from mm-hmm. getting moisture. Mm-hmm. And then that post goes up and holds the big beams that hold the joist uh, that that carries your house. Or in some cases, it's just the beam. The beams will be four feet on center and uh, and your decking sits on top of the beam. So you got the concrete pier, the post and the beam, and then the floor sits on top of that. But between the crawl space and the floor is one very, uh, very important component. Yeah, and there are different um, different ways to build that out. You know, we talked about post and beam, post, holding up a beam, holding up your floor. Uh, there's also an option you can do for eye joists, or there's even solid sawn joist lumber that you can put in there as the floor, uh, what I call the floor diaphragm. Everything within that floor system that holds up your home uh, or your living space. Um, with eye joists, there are several options there as well, but typically what you would see with eye joists are... Uh, long spans, pony, well, long span, longer span. So to be more open down there, but you'll also see like intermediate bearing walls with these framed walls down there with no uh, uh, sheeting on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you do see sheeting on them, that would be what's called a shear wall. Mm-hmm. And sometimes shear walls uh, transfer down from the upper floors down all the way into your foundation. Those and, require super extra attention to make sure that uh, there is solid and supported as possible right if you had for instance if you were down in your crawl space and you said well i want to turn this into storage and you see a big wall down there that's sheeted it is very likely that that's a shear wall and then you you don't want to disturb that you don't want to go ripping that plywood off or cutting through it uh, because what that does is that is designed uh, as a what's called a shear wall so if there's ever an earthquake Uh, that wall is designed in a way that will hold up your home. Mm -hmm. So it's very important not to mess with that. Yeah, even even like more important than that, if you have a silent floor system or a joist system and you see a post on top of a pier block, that is probably supporting a bearing wall that could potentially be going all the way to the roof. If you've got a two-story home, you could have a load-bearing wall that goes from the roof all the way down to the to the ground to the foundation yeah to the foundation so uh that stuff is very important they don't post up um a wall for no reason if they don't have to do it they don't do it so if it's there it's important well let's talk a little bit about foundation or sorry let's talk a little bit about uh load-bearing walls yeah uh load-bearing walls are kind of a mystery to some people they they i get this question all the time they'll come in and say Hey, is this a load-bearing wall? I mean, you even asked me one I did. time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because you had a home that you wanted to do a remodel on and you wanted to take a short span of wall out because it was impeding your kitchen. And I knew you had the set of plans in your back pocket. I did. And so I thought it'd be super easy. I'll call Corey, find out if it's a load-bearing wall. And he said to me, why don't you just go in the crawl space and look? And I thought, well, yeah, I guess I could do that. Uh, which I ended up doing because even though he looked at the plans and the plans showed that it was a load bearing wall, I went and looked anyways. And sure enough, I got underneath the house. I crawled over to that spot in the floor and there was a pier block and there was a post and it was posting up the, the floor, which right on top of the floor was a wall that was holding up a beam that was holding up the ceiling over my kitchen. Right. And dining room area. So that's essentially what a load bearing wall or a load bearing point load is 
is it's holding up something that's above structurally. Either that's from the roof or your second floor or something coming all the way down and all the way to the foundation. That's, that's right. how load works. It has to rest on something. In my case, I decided I'm going to leave the load bearing wall because it would be cost prohibitive of me to make the change that was that would be needed to make. I would have to go in there and install a beam and do a bunch of stuff. In in the case of Corey's kitchen, he also had a load bearing situation, but we pushed his beam up into the floor. There was an opportunity to install the beam that needed to be installed and also to push it up into the floor so that it was not down in the in the kitchen space. So he he had the same sort of a situation I did, except for we were able to fully span his from one side of the kitchen to the other. And, uh, and push it up into the floor. Well, you make it sound so easy. Well, it wasn't so easy. Oh, it wasn't easy. Because... Or inexpensive. The, the difference there was, uh, if you have to get rid of a load-bearing wall, you're talking about spreading uh, a load across an entire wall. Say it's 16 feet. Well, if you're taking that out, you have to replace it with something. The load being the weight that's being carried from the upper floor. Right. If you're putting that onto a beam... Let's say that beam, unless, you know, you have uh, many posts underneath posts it. under it, which would kind of defy the purpose of getting rid of it. Exactly. So what you're going to end up doing is putting a beam in there, supporting it on either end. So what that creates is what's called a point load. So you're spent, you're putting all that load on a beam, which is carrying all that weight. And then you're putting it out to the ends and that load is going down. Well, in my foundation, we were able to crawl down there and look at the pier pad that was holding up that previous load bearing. That's right. Beam. And it was not posted up. Yeah, it was. It wasn't there. Yep. There was no point load uh, bearing point in my foundation. So we had to dig down, pour a gigantic footing down there with rebar and concrete and post up to that beam so that we could transfer all that load bearing uh, or load load from upstairs down yep. to the foundation. We mixed all that concrete right in the middle of Corey's kitchen and dumped it through a hole in the floor into the bucket ground by bucket by to bucket. make a block so that we could post it up and so that it would be right. And there is a lot that goes into that. But, but uh, this is the way we describe it. So, you know how it goes when we come back we're talking about pony wall we're talking about the foundation we're talking about the pressure treated plate that separates the two we're breaking down the house you're listening to tony and Corey. don't go away Welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. You know, Corey, we've been saying that we're talking about breaking down the house, but we're really building up the house. Yeah, we're building it up from the ground up. We we should have tore it down first <laughs> because demo demolition is, is my demo favorite day. thing. That's right. It is the fun day. Love and demolition. But we before we went to the break, we were underneath the house and we're talking about the things that you see underneath the house. Um, and sometimes, I, Corey, when I'm underneath the house, 
I see exterior walls. You were talking about intermediate bearing walls, but sometimes I see exterior walls underneath the house. Right. And, and you know, it's sitting right on the foundation. Well, not right on the foundation. You know, when you have the concrete foundation, it's poured. Uh, there's on top of that is called sill plate. And they put the sill plate on there. It's usually made out of uh, pressure treated lumber with some form or another. Uh, there's different types of PT that you can use, uh, but they'll put that down there. And there's other, there's a gasket that you put down there as well between all of that, uh, that prevents air infiltration. It's called sill sealer. So you have pressure treated plate, you'll have sill sealer, and that's all bolted down to the foundation now uh, with what's called foundation bolts. Uh, when they pour the concrete foundation, they drop these little uh, J bolts, some people call them, into the foundation, and those stick up through the PT. And then you take a nut and a washer and you fasten those down. So that way that keeps your home fastened to your foundation. That's in case of an earthquake. Other parts of the country, they don't really do that. But here in the Pacific Northwest, they do. On top of that, what you're talking about is pony wall. Pony wall is used a lot of times. Funny if, name. Yeah, it is kind of. A lot of times it's used when you're building your home on a sloped lot. In order for the home to be level, you have to build the concrete up to a level place. And so if you're on a sloped lot, then the back of the house or the downhill side of the house would have a lot of concrete like to come up to the front. If you had a, a steep slope, right, you could have to pour eight or 10 or 12 feet tall of concrete. And that's super expensive. So and to avoid pouring all that concrete, they will pour the footing down low and then build what they call pony wall, which is a wall that's actually it's framed out of wood, framed out of wood. Yep. And it's visible from the underneath side of the house. And so the pony wall comes up to the to the top there. And the pony wall is just not treated stuff because it sits on top of that sill plate and um, and it's nailed down to the sill plate. And that's mm -hmm. all attached mm -hmm. to the foundation. And then um, and then your floor sits on top of that. So then the other only other thing I feel like I see down there besides a little bit of plumbing and electrical, which oftentimes is now a days is held up in the floor and not hanging down low, but held up in the floor and protected by insulation. Yeah, the uh, especially the plumbing. You don't you typically want to have exposed plumbing down there. If you keep it up in the insulation, uh, you're doing a good job. The uh, the other thing you sometimes see or you still see a lot of days uh, at times is HVAC. Uh, and that's your uh, heating and cooling and ventilating. Uh, ventilating, all of that stuff is down in the crawl space, which Tony and I talk about this all the time. It's not typically the best place to run all of your duct work uh, because it is susceptible to all of that hot and the cold that's down there. Uh, it's kind of what's called an unconditioned space space. And right. if you're putting that in an unconditioned space, if it does leak, then you're losing it. Um, or if it's if it's down, if it's cold, really cold down there and you're, and you're heating your, the house. Yeah, you're running that heat down in that super cold crawl space it's not efficient it's not efficient at all so we've talked about this before putting your hvac in a conditioned space right which is essentially part of your living area upstairs right right right, right. but with the crawl space uh, it is still pretty common they have uh, in in pacific northwest like in the valley up here in the portland area it's not that big of a deal because of the temperate climate we have here it never really gets terribly cold for very long periods of time. Here in the Portland area. Right. 
Um, what about Bend and uh, maybe Northern Washington? It's a little bit different there. Yeah, I mean, it stays really cold for uh, a lot more of the year. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I we always recommend putting that HVAC in a conditioned space. Right. You know, your crawl space and your attic are your two extremes. They're outside of your living space. So we've been down in the crawl space, which is underneath the house. And the, the access point to get down there is, what do you call that access point? And how many of those are there generally from the main floor down into the crawl space? I know there's at least one. Yeah, it's usually one. I, I rarely see two unless there is a division. Sometimes you'll see a division between two areas of the crawl space where there is not access. Oh, you right. You can't get from one side to the other. Right. So you'll have to have two crawl space access uh, points. Points. And you'll find those generally in a closet. I feel like most commonly uh, the crawl space is access is in a closet. There's usually a little D handle type thing on there. It's carpeted if you're carpeted or it's got hardwood floor on it, but it's a square two foot by two foot hole or so that you can, that allows you to climb down. There's not a ladder or anything usually, I guess, unless you got a, yeah, unless you got a really big, you got a really big crawl space, <laughs> in which case you probably have a door, which accesses it through the garage or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Or a basement. Yeah. Or you have a basement. Uh, we talked a little bit about a daylight basement earlier. Daylight basement would be like where the front door of the house is at ground level and the back of the house is up eight or 10 feet. And your uh, your main floor. And so then you have a uh, a lower floor or a basement that um, is open to the back, but um, eventually, you know, closes off because the of the hill that's going back up. So you end up with a, a sort of um, open space, lower floor or basement from the back. Yeah, you kind of rarely see that on you don't, you don't never see it, but you rarely see it where the opening is in the front. Right. Yeah. 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 That's true. If you do see that, typically it would be like a garage, garage, a garage under where they'll have the lowest floor as a garage. Yeah. Yeah, I'll see that quite often, actually. Very cool. So um, so here we are now in on the main floor Um, and the main floor is the decking, depending on what type of uh, floor system. Yep. You put down Uh, your decking could be plywood or it could be tongue and grooved dimensional lumber or. Is there more? No. Yeah, that's, that's pretty about, much that's it. That's pretty much it? it. You can either put, uh, yeah, solid sheet products, uh, which in, in my opinion is the best choice, or, uh, you know, the old classic two by six car decking. That's really, really common if you had a house built anytime between 1950 and, yeah. you know, 2010, honestly. Yeah. Car decking was very popular. And all it is is a two by six or a two by eight with a tongue and a groove. And they put it together one piece at a time across the whole floor system. Um, it's very solid. You don't have to have your beams very close together. You can right. span them out yep. 32 or 48 on center. Yep. Uh, the only downside to 2x6 or 2x8 TNG is going to be the air infiltration. I mean, you have essentially the whole thing littered with holes that all of that air can come up through. So people have realized that it's not as good as... Uh, let's say Edge Gold. Edge Gold is a manu- is a product made by Warehouser Company. Uh, it's made out of OSB, but it's super, super strong. It doesn't swell. It doesn't delaminate. It's just a really good product. But it doesn't span four foot. No. Yeah, it would max. You know, you can get different thicknesses, too. You can get three quarter or 23, 30 seconds. Uh, you can get uh, inch and an eighth or even seven eighths. So depending on how far on center your joists are... 
or your beams, if it's a post and beam, uh, would determine the thickness of that plywood. Right. And if you do go with plywood, it has got what they call an underlayment face. So when you put it down, it's ready to accept linoleum. Uh, you don't have to put particle board, what they call subfloor, on top of underlayment grade plywood. If you have two by six tongue and groove decking, which is Corey said is very common for older homes, uh, it also has half inch particle board on top of that in order for you to have a smooth enough and void free surface enough to put linoleum down, which mm -hmm. you will have generally in the kitchen and obviously the bathrooms. And in in typically you would see that, that flooring or that decking is what we would call it, uh, glued down and then screwed down. That'll prevent all kinds of creaks and creaks yep. and that'll uh, mix for a very solid floor. Yep, absolutely. Uh, okay, we gotta take uh, another quick break. When we come back, we're moving through the house. We're building up the house or breaking down the house. You're listening to Tony Corey, your weekend warriors. Don't go away. There's a reason Fortress Railing Products is one of the strongest brands in the railing industry. From commercial, code-tested products to diverse residential styles, Fortress Railing Products is a category creator with a complete line of railing solutions to turn your outdoor space into a living place. Fortress is committed to a higher standard for quality, strength, innovation, versatility, and ease of installation, which means you get a beautiful railing system that stands up to your busy life. Whether you're looking for iron, aluminum, or cable rail, we have the right solution for your outdoor living space. And installation is as easy as one. One, two, three. One, choose your pre-welded, pre-assembled panel. Two, choose your post and bracket. And three, select your personalization options. Fortress, products that inspire, designs that liberate. For a look that reflects your style, choose Marvin Windows and Doors. They'll enhance the essence of a room and the character of a home. Beautifully crafted with the most extensive selection of customizable options, it's easy to complement your vision. Marvin windows and doors are sold only at independent dealers who understand your home is more than your address. It's a feeling you create in a place that holds your dreams. Marvin windows and doors, built around you. Find exceptional service and inspiration at Par Design Center, your local Marvin dealer. Start your project with a trip to their Aloha location, where Par Design Center's experts can help you find easy and stylish replacement solutions for your next remodeling project. Family owned and operated since 1930. Go where the builders go. Par Design Center. Call Par Design Center at 503-614-2655 or visit online at par.com. That's P-A-R-R.com. Preparing your home for winter weather is an easy task for weekend warriors when you have the right tools. Small leaks in doors, windows, and siding can create big problems down the road. So make inspection of these areas a part of your annual home maintenance plan. Caulking that is cracked, peeling or pulling away from your trim can be cut and replaced with OSI Quad Advanced Formula Window, Door, and Siding Sealant. Designed for superior performance on exterior window, door, siding, and trim applications, OSI Quad can be applied to wet or dry surfaces and even at freezing temperatures. Unlike other sealants, Quad resists dirt and dust collection, yellowing, and water washout. Quad is self-tooling, available in a variety of colors, and once cured, is paintable. To learn more about OSI Quad, visit OSIPro.com. 
www.thepowerhouse.com. Whether you're building a new home, remodeling an old home, or re-envisioning your backyard space, if you've got a project, go to Par Lumber for decks, fencing, kitchens, windows, doors, and more. Par Lumber, your neighborhood building and home improvement experts. For true rain screen protection under your exterior siding, not much compares to the unique three-dimensional matrix of Home Slicker. Home Slicker provides a continuous space for drainage and drying, a thermal break, and pressure equalization, eliminating the threat of trapped moisture. Home Slicker is easy to install, ventilates the entire wall surface, can be used behind stone, stucco, and lap siding, saves time and labor costs, and even offers a 50-year warranty. To learn more about Home Slicker, visit BenjaminObdike.com. At PAR, we're more than just lumber, because we know people want more than just lumber. That's why we sell grills, sealers, stains, wheelbarrows, rags, bags, extension cords, shop lights, saws, blades, ladders, and oh yeah, Yeti coolers and Yeti thermoses. Visit your local PAR lumber and find any one of the many, many things that we sell every single day. to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Thanks for staying with us. Today we're talking about breaking down the house, but let's take a second here. If you haven't already, go check out all of our social media. We're all over YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. You can find us at Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest at WW Home Show. Or you can go to our website at it's a www.homeshow.com. Uh, we're also all over YouTube, and you can watch our new video podcasts on there. So we'd love that if you went to our YouTube channel. It's YouTube. Uh, just You can search The Weekend Warriors or go to our, our website there and find that and subscribe to our channel. And uh, if you want to send us an email or send us a message, you can go to our uh, PAR website. That's P-A-R-R.com. Click on the Weekend Warriors link. Both Tony and I's email addresses are there. Uh, we'll reply to you as soon as possible. It is very busy these days, so uh, be patient with us. <laughs> yeah, because we spend uh, most of our time playing video games and watching TV. <laughs> and, you know, it's hard to get a break away from that. I wish that were true. Yeah. So today we're talking about... Um, all of the different aspects of the home, different terminologies and things that you run into. And we're essentially uh, breaking down the house or building up the house. Uh, when we were uh, right before the break, we were talking about, um, well, we were just moving into the main floor, really. We, we talked about the under floor and we're moving into the main floor. We talked about decking, um, underlayment, plywood decking, tongue and groove decking. We talked about subfloor which goes on top of that, that particle board that's screw, uh, screwed and glued down. And uh, then we start building walls, essentially. Interior walls and exterior walls. Interior walls are uh, made out of two by four, uh, unless unless it's a plumbing wall. So I think plumbing walls oftentimes are framed out of two by six. Usually, yeah. You need that extra space to get um, to get all that stuff up there. And a plumbing wall is a wall that will be a, one of the walls in your bathroom. And uh, if you've got a bathroom upstairs and a bathroom downstairs, they generally will share a plumbing wall. 
Uh, if you have two bathrooms upstairs, they will generally sh share a plumbing wall. They try to have, uh, you know, get all that plumbing stuff into one place. It's less expensive to install it. And the plumbing has got big ABS pipe that comes up from the from the uh, subfloor and carries all of your stuff down and into the sewer where it's supposed to go. And they also have what's called a stack. And that air stack will go uh, along the same route, except it'll go up through the roof. And that allow that's called a vent stack. So that allows all the air gas emissions and stuff yeah, to go out that way. And then you won't get airlock. Right. Otherwise, if that gets clogged, then what will happen is that it won't drain because it'll create like a suction in there and it won't allow it to go down the drain. So that that allows it to. Yep. Also in that wall is going to be hot and cold water that supplies your sink and your toilet and also your shower or tub. And typically that's made out of what's called PEX pipe. You'll see Wurzbo or PEX pipe. It's a flexible, uh, very high uh, strength plastic. That's what's going on today. If you're digging into an older home, you're going to probably find copper or even older than that, galvanized. If you've got galvanized pipe in the walls, it's been there for a coon's age. Uh, that's uh, That's been a long time since they were doing that. Yeah, so long that I don't even know what a coon's age is. A coon's age is a long time. Take it from me, I'm an old guy. Do raccoons live a long, long time? <laughs> Apparently, they do. <laughs> uh, so um, so anyways, Pex Pipe, and that's uh, that's in your plumbing wall. Otherwise, the rest of your interior walls are framed out of 2 by 4 2 by 4s um, will come to you in regular lengths, 8s, 10s, 12s, 16, 20, right? Um, also, they come in pre-cut stud lengths, and the stud lengths allow uh, framers to frame up walls that include the top and bottom plates. When you include the top and bottom plates, you reduce the thickness of that wall by the, by those three plates. And that leaves you with a stud length that is like 88 and five eighths, 92 and five eighths, 104 and five eighths, 116 and five eighths, and so on. Those lengths that result in certain ceiling heights, which are common. So in order to keep from having to precision end trim studs on site, the contractors will order studs in stud length, and they will be uh, just different a little bit than uh, 8s, 10s, and 12s. So if you've ever heard somebody say a stud, if you go in and ask for a stud, you'll end up with a precision end trimmed piece of wood. But we buy them in such volume that oftentimes they're even less expensive than standard lengths, 8s, 10s, and 12s. So there's a little piece of information there. They also use studs in the exterior walls, but all the exterior walls now, um, standard, are 2x6. Yeah, there are some advanced framing going on where they have like a 2x8 plate with staggered 2x4 studs that allows you to get more insulation in there, which allows for a thermal break between the interior and the exterior. Uh, that's all very uncommon as of now. So that, not to say it won't be more common later, but... As of right now, that's typically all you'll see. And then those walls are sheeted with uh, some sort of sheathing, like uh, plywood. CDX plywood is very popular. Uh, OSB is even more popular. OSB stands for Oriented Strand Board, which is little chunks of wood uh, that have been glued together in the shape of a four foot by eight foot by half inch thick sheet of plywood. Yeah, and the, uh, the thing with OSB is it's changed over the years. It used to be made out of uh, just chips of wood and a little bit of glue, and it it had a bad rap. When it first came out, it had a bad rap because it would swell up, especially here in the Pacific Northwest. It'd get a lot of rain, and it would just kind of disintegrate. Yep. Well, so 
they changed it. Over the years, they added more resins. They changed the glues they were using. And now it's very stable. It it hardly swells. It's got a wax coating. Yep. And it's uh, very strong. It's yeah. actually, it has a, it's actually stronger on its axial radius or axial edge um, than CDX is. Yeah. Uh, the difference with CDX is it actually will um, breathe where OSB doesn't. There's pluses and minuses to yeah. both. Yeah. But overall, OSB is a great product. It's also got a lot of names. Um, oriented strand board or OSB, chipboard, wafer board. It. Some people call it shimangi. There's a lot of different names for that Shemangi. product. Shimangi. Yep, shimangi. Well, there's a lot of different pro- names for that product out there, but if you, you say uh, OSB or, or wafer board, they're going to know what you're talking about. Yeah, not particle board. Right. I've, not heard, particle, called, I've heard called particle yeah, board. Yeah. It is not particle board. Particle board is definitely a subfloor product. It's something that you find on the floor uh, and not on the walls. Definitely not shimangi. <laughs> shimangi. So, uh, yeah, in the walls, we were kind of talking a little bit about studs, uh, the precision end trim studs, sometimes called PET. Um, Tony talked about the different stud lengths. And the reason they make those studs that specific length, uh, you'll have 92 and 5 eighths, which will give you, with your plates, your bottom plate, your top plates, that'll give you an eight-foot wall. You can have... Uh, 104 and 5 eighths, that'll get you a nine foot wall. And what that, uh, what that allows them to do is buy standard size sheets of sheetrock. Right. So then you don't have to be ripping sheets of sheetrock to fit it into those, those edges. That's right. In the olden days, you used to be able to get 88 and 5 eighths, and that would get you a, uh, was it seven foot six (laughs) ceiling height, which is like code minimum. I lived in a house with those ceilings and I'll tell you what. It's not. I know as a tall guy, you're probably scraping your. It's not preferable. When you had hair, it was probably scraping the ceiling. (laughs) Yeah, it's not preferable. Mm. Uh, The taller the walls, folks, honestly, the better. If you get into a house with nine foot walls, you will absolutely love it. Makes the room so much more spacious and makes you feel like uh, you got lots and lots of elbow room. Well, when you got tall walls, too, I mean, you got to think if you get two tall walls. I mean, I've seen 10, 11, 12 foot walls. You just, that's more area to heat, more well, area to heat, more wall to paint. I mean, sure, it's huge and it's grand and it's luxurious, but yeah, I think it's a waste. Yeah, they get my t- taller walls and then you get eight foot doors, eight foot doors and 10 foot ceilings look phenomenal. Maybe when you're as tall as you. Yeah, when you're tall as me. Little guys don't need so much space, do they, Corey? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so... Uh, Interior walls and exterior walls. Um, you also have different types of walls inside other than just other than just walls that separate rooms. You also have other kinds of walls. Yeah, partition walls, load-bearing walls, shear walls. We talked a little bit about load-bearing walls and shear walls when we were in the crawl space, uh, but I want to talk about them a little bit more, and especially the partition walls when you'll see what's called a header and you'll see things like king studs and trimmers holding up those headers. Wait a second, a king stud? Does a king stud have a crown on it? <laughs> Are there queen studs? I know. <laughs> queen stud sounds like an oxymoron, actually. <laughs> You're an oxymoron. <laughs> you know, I feel like these uh, all these parts of this, these walls were named like in medieval times. Is there a jack of all trades stud? Maybe a, a jester stud? <laughs> a joker stud. A joker stud. <laughs> I definitely want to learn more about that. Uh, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, more Breaking Down the House. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your weekend works. 
Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. When it comes to big or small projects around the home, Tony and Corey have got the know-how and the answers to make your life just a bit easier. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today in the show, Tony, you're talking about uh, the house. We're breaking down the house. We're breaking it down and we're building it up. Yep, from the ground up. So we went over the everything in the crawl space, your foundation. Uh, we're talking about main floor walls right now. And uh, before the break, we were kind of talking about wall heights and the differences in those stud heights and how those work. And Tony had mentioned about different types of walls within a house uh you said we talked a little bit about plumbing walls yep there's also things called partition walls uh load bearing walls and shear walls and in those different types of walls uh they're framed differently for one and they do different jobs a partition wall inside of a home is the exact opposite of a load bearing wall it doesn't carry any load from above. The only thing it does is it divides rooms. Divides two spaces. Yep, divides two spaces. Like and if Corey and I lived together, we would need to have a partition wall to, to divide our spaces. And, <laughs> yeah, and yes. it would be more on his side because I would require 60-40. 60-40. How about 55-45? How about 55-55? Okay. <laughs> 110 We'll just have to do an addition. It'll be fine. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, partition walls are essentially uh, a design aspect, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they just divide out. Uh, yeah, just, they divide living space that are non-essential for the structure. They're just partition. Right. Um, then load-bearing walls are exactly what we talked about before. They carry loads from above and transfer them down to the ground. All load-bearing walls, somehow or another, will transfer that load from wherever it is on top to the ground. All the way to the ground. All the way to the ground. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Load just doesn't disappear. It has to land somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, the last one there that I was talking about is shear walls. Shear walls, uh, like before, uh, a shear wall is something on the inside of a home that is very specific in the design that will help it stay up and not fall down in the event of a seismic event. Right. Uh, we're talking about nature, right? The natural disaster type thing that causes the house to shake and come apart. Yeah, or shear even, walls are or intended even high to high winds. Shear uh, walls are intended to uh, mitigate that danger. Yeah. It maintains the house from racking. Right. Nice. Yeah. Um, you had written one down here, Tony, that I actually forgot about, and it's called a balloon frame wall. Yeah. And a balloon frame wall sounds really silly, uh, but what that means is it's... They tie the studs, the end of <laughs> one end of the studs... To helium. To a balloon, yeah. And then it carries it all the way up to the top, and then it's, you know, it goes from the, from the roof all the way down. A balloon frame wall is, is a very tall wall that spans a large space. Here's an example. If you have a stairwell that goes from the first floor to the second floor and uh, your stairs come up and turn and go farther up and that's open all the way to the second floor ceiling. If you're standing on the main floor and you look up and can see the second floor ceiling, that means there's a balloon wall 
that is allowing you to have that clear space or that clear view. Balloon framed walls uh, used to be very, very common, uh, maybe less common now. No, they're they're still very common. Are they? Balloon yeah. framed walls are, are. I'll tell you what a balloon framed wall means to me. It means that I need a uh, I need a paint roller with an extension pole. <laughs> That's what that means to me. Or a ladder to change the light bulbs on your lighting fixture <laughs> yeah, at the very top because it's way up there. Yeah, it's very common actually now. Um, and it's if you think about a normal construction that's not balloon framed you would have a wall like an exterior wall and then you'd have a floor that sat on top of that and then a wall built on that so you have that in the splitting between the floors you'd have or between yeah between the floors you have a floor system well in a balloon frame application like you're talking about there's no hinge point there there's no there's nothing to build a wall on top of right if you just built a short wall on top of a short wall for a really tall structure it would be a hinge point. Right. So it could potentially crack. And I mean, you just don't want to do that. So they build them out of really tall studs. Yep, absolutely. Balloon frame walls. Thank you for uh, noticing that. I wrote that down. I appreciate that. Uh, another thing that's added to the house um, in order to mitigate damage in the event of a natural disaster are um, hold downs. Yeah, right. There's hardware that you can buy that go to the from the bottom of the wall down to the next wall like say where they are attaching the the upper floor to the lower floor walls they will put hold downs there and run threaded rod in between those hold downs and then crank them down tight to hold the upper wall and the lower wall and the floor sandwiches the floor between the upper and lower walls and uh, those are absolutely necessary to make again the whole home be one unit to tie it together. And so you find those between the floor and the foundation. You find them between the first floor and the second floor and all over the place. These are called hold downs and straps and other hardware that's intended to hold the house together in the event of a natural disaster. Yeah, high winds or uh, a seismic activity. Again, you won't see these uh, very common in low uh, seismic areas, but definitely in the Pacific Northwest, it's very common here. You're going to see it. Um, going back to load-bearing walls, in a load-bearing wall, a, a way to find out if it's load-bearing wall uh, is typically if there's, say, a door opening in it, it will have what's called a header in it. Any load-bearing wall where you have an opening, you have to uh, disperse that weight through what's called a header. And that header will be any number of things. It could be solid sawn lumber. It could be an LSL an LVL, a PSL, wow, or what a glue the, lamb. What do all those letters mean? Could be steel. There's a... I know what LVL is, laminated veneer lumber. Yes, L- Which LVL. is like really thick pieces of plywood. Yeah, it kind of looks like, yeah, you could compare it to really thick plywood. Laminated veneer lumber. LSL is lateral strand lumber. And that looks like really thick OSB. It's uh, It's oriented long strips of strands that are oriented in there, uh, alternating, that are glued together with resin. It's very, very strong. Um, also, there's a product called PSL or Paralam. That is very, very strong. They take larger strands of wood and they glue it all together. And it's all under the kind of the envelope of what's called engineered wood. Yeah, that's engineered right. Engineered to be very, very strong. Uh, the last one in there was Glue Lamb. Glue Lamb is... Essentially, it's very common. Yeah, essentially, it's solid sawn lumber, but multiple pieces 
glued together. Yeah. Glue uh, lammed yeah, together. Yeah, glue glue laminated together in order to get a stronger piece of wood to carry a heavier load. Yeah, one more benefit to that too is that they stay straight and they're less susceptible to bowing. They used to call them a gang lamb. Oh, really? Yeah. They might have been dangerous when they were on the street. I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, we got to take another quick break. When we come back, we are breaking down the house and giving you a list of things to keep on your radar as a homeowner. But before that, when we come back, we've got Mr. Barbecue and another amazing recipe. I can't wait to hear this. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your weekend warriors. We'll be right back. Being a homeowner in today's market isn't easy. With families hanging on to their homes longer, energy efficiency and long-term quality have become top priorities. Future generations will benefit from the choices you make today. Make the right choice. Invest in your family's future with Plygem windows, available at area par lumber locations. You'll enjoy designer, low-maintenance windows at a price that won't jeopardize the kids' college fund. They're approved by the National Association of Home Builders and Energy Star certified. So why do people shop at PAR? Because we know that people who want to build need selection, competitive pricing, on-time delivery, and real experts who really know how to give expert advice. Just ask Shana. We help design projects all the time. Let's take a look at your plans. That's why people shop at PAR. If you've got a project you need help with, visit any one of our PAR locations across the Pacific Northwest. To find a location near you, visit PARR.com. For a look that reflects your style, choose Marvin Windows and Doors. They'll enhance the essence of a room and the character of a home. Beautifully crafted with the most extensive selection of customizable options, it's easy to complement your vision. Marvin Windows and Doors are sold only at independent dealers who understand your home is more than your address. It's a feeling you create in a place that holds your dreams. Marvin Windows and Doors built around you. Find exceptional service and inspiration at Par Design Center, your local Marvin dealer. Start your project with a trip to their Aloha location, where Par Design Center's experts can help you find easy and stylish replacement solutions for your next remodeling project. Family owned and operated since 1930. Go where the builders go. Par Design Center. Call Par Design Center at 503-614-2655 or visit online at par.com. That's P-A-R-R.com. Trex is the world's number one decking brand and the inventor of wood alternative composite decking. Trex is committed to helping you create a low maintenance backyard retreat that can handle the outdoors without depleting them and will do so for decades because your weekends should be spent relaxing on your deck, not repairing it. Choose from four distinct collections and 21 colors to meet any design aesthetic on any budget with the comfort of a 25 year fade and stain warranty. Trex, outdoor living elevated. Visit trex.com for more. When you want to enhance your home's curb appeal with the look of real wood, choose real wood, like Shakertown Cedar Siding. The genuine natural color and grain of Shakertown products offers a great cedar siding solution for your project, adding dimension and drama to your home's exterior. 
Whether you select individual sidewall shakes, pre-manufactured Craftsman shingle panels, or pre-primed Cedar Cove shingle panels, your cedar siding will stand the test of time, outlasting building trends and its competition. Made with 100% clear vertical grain heartwood cedar, nothing compares to the rich appearance and outstanding performance of our cedar shingle panels. They resist the effects of the sun, rain, pests, and time. For 50 years, Shaker Town has been beautifying and protecting homes. A true American original. Visit shakertown.com to learn more. At PAR, we're more than just lumber. Because we know people want more than just lumber. That's why we sell grills, sealers, stains, wheelbarrows, rags, bags, extension cords, shop lights, saws, blades, ladders, and, oh yeah, Yeti coolers and Yeti thermoses. Visit your local PAR Lumber and find any one of the many, many things that we sell every single day. Welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. You know, Tony, we're talking about uh, the house and everything that there has to do with the house. Breaking down the house. Breaking down the house today. Uh, there's one component that uh, we haven't talked about yet. Well, it's because we aren't um, an authority on the subject. We need to get a professional on the phone to talk about breaking down the barbecue that's right mr. mr barbecue what's up my brother i am doing great and you guys we are absolutely beautiful absolutely fantastic cool cool so what's going on what do you got for us yeah let's hear it so okay you know we've always talked about how to barbecue and all that we've always talked about this that and everything else so today as i'm studying or kind of getting caught up on what to do today I ran across I ran across something that I had never really seen before, and so one of the questions I had put into the computer was wrapped pork spare ribs or unwrapped pork spare ribs. So as I was reading, there's a third option that I had never heard of. Cheesy, so, cheesy pork ribs? No, no, it's wrapped in butcher paper. What does so, that do for you? Well, what here's here's what we're gonna do. And this is what we're gonna send out to the listeners today. It's still kind of a three, two, one thing. And those of you that have listened before, three hours unwrapped, two hours wrapped, one hour unwrapped. So do the same thing, and but do a taste test with the wrap portion. Do one rib that's completely unwrapped the entire cook time. So you're probably looking at five and a half hours. And you're going to season it the same way. You can do whatever you want to the same way. You're going to leave that open. Then the other one you're going to do, you're going to wrap in tinfoil after the three hours. You're going to wrap in tinfoil for two hours. And then you're going to do the third one where you wrap it in butcher paper. And it's got to be that brown pink butcher paper. You can get it at grocery stores, cash and carry, even meat, um, meat markets, carry d and They'll probably give you some. So as I was studying the tape, or the CD or the computer, uh, my age just showed there. Um, <laughs> the uh, one group thought that the barbecue without anything 
was a little bit more a little bit more flavorful, had a little more smoke to it. But what they found is the um, foil wrapped was more tender, but they had more of the seasoning flavor to taste over the char taste of an unwrapped. Interesting. Then came, yeah. Then came the barbecued paper or the, the butcher paper barbecue. So I think, because remember, it's all based on the meat and how good the meat is because meat can change, you know, even the same manufacturer, one rib could be totally different than the other rib. So one guy didn't like the butcher paper because he thought it was too tough. Well, that's, that's just, it's not cooked long enough and you might have to do a little bit longer. But the, but the second guy that did it, he thought the butcher paper actually had some more unique flavors to it over the foil paper and way more over the uh, just the naked version of it, just on the barbecue. Hmm. So I think everybody needs to try this. I'm going to try it this weekend with the butcher paper and see what my thought is. But I think it's very intriguing because, you know, the butcher paper is more of a relax around the meat. It's not so tight like the uh, like foil wrap would be. Mm-hmm. If you foil wrap it, it's pretty tight. So that steams it. So that's a different that's a different feel to cooking meat with that steaming in it. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. butcher paper actually kind of is looser and there's a little more air getting in there to do its thing. How, so I think everybody needs to give this a try and then let us know what they think. I want you to tell me uh, how are you imagining that the butcher paper is going to react to the heat in the barbecue? I mean, is this paper going it, to is it no. not going to catch on fire? No, it's like parchment paper type. It's uh, but it's called it's called pink butcher paper. It's not the white stuff you get in some in meat markets. This is the brown stuff. It's a, they call it pink butcher paper, and you can get it with your tin foil area, um, where you can pick up tin foils and uh, uh, bags and plastic bags and stuff like that. And so it's not going to catch fire. It will not catch fire. It's All like right. parchment paper. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, and and, you're, and think about it. You're really only doing 225 anyway. Um, low so and slow. It's not low and slow. And uh, I, I'm really going to give it a try because, you know, I've been doing this a long time. And it's so funny. I've never seen it before. And I'm feeling kind of stupid that I haven't really known about it before. Um, but I'm going to give it a shot because it, it's intriguing because I'm anxious to see what the paper does with the air in there and what kind of things it does to the meat. Um, the ironic thing was – when they did this the, in the foil and in the paper, the you know we always talk about the inch of the meat coming down the bone. You know yeah. it's ready then. Right. Um, that happened, but the dry didn't really go down that far. The where it was not wrapped in anything. And keep one other thing in mind. This is huge. Everybody thinks when it comes off the bone, it's rock star. It is not rock star. You would lose a competition. Really. That is over. Yes, it's overdone if it peels off the bone. You want a little pull and a little tear and just a little residual on the bone and that is done perfectly. So everybody goes, oh, they fell off the bone. Well, that's overdone, believe it or not. Wow. Yeah, I definitely would never have guessed that. Yeah, yeah. So, but I'm going to give it a shot and see what happens because, you know, uh, it sounds intriguing to me to try it and try all three and see which one you like so we you're going with the three two one in yes. in this as well and uh that's three hours 
three hours wrapped, two hours unwrapped, and one no. hour wrapped? The opposite. Three hours unwrapped. Okay. Two hours wrapped. And then and now keep in mind that last hour. That last hour, they say an hour, it may be 35, it may be 45 minutes. Um, you don't need, don't, you know, you got to judge what the meat looks like. Okay. Um, yeah. You, yeah, you don't want to stick to those and then have it dried out and be wrong. And so, now, are you cooking to temperature or, I mean, let me clarify that question. Um, we see a lot of cooking shows on TV. And when they're right. talking about cooking meat, they don't say uh, you cooked that meat the right amount of time. They say right. that meat is the perfect temperature. Right. Yeah. You know, what, we, what we've got here is paint to clear also. It's like we've talked about in the past. Um, I pretty much judge it by how far it's come down the bone. If you're a half inch to three quarter inch on the bone, you're, you're, you're right there. If you go more than that, you're going to be overdone. If you go less than that, uh, it's not going to be done enough. And, and it's really a good guide. You know, you kind of, you know, 165, you know, is the kind of the break even point for pork. Um, but like I said, it's pink to clear you guys. Um, so many people overcook stuff. So many people do it wrong because they look at the temperature and then all of a sudden they've surpassed the pink to clear and it's, it's a dried piece of meat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everybody is afraid in my yes. opinion, Everybody's afraid to undercook something because you know, they, you guys, it, it's so true. Yeah, it, it's so true. See, in the old days, it was trichinosis and pork. Um, that's that's gone. That, that that's gone by the wayside. Um, they're raised in a different environment now. Same with chicken. Um, you know, it's pink to clear. That's the important part. Pink to clear. Don't overcook. You don't have to do it. Wow. Well, that's really, really, really good advice. I'm super excited to hear how that plant plays out for you, Pap. Uh, folks, if you're listening and you haven't had a Pappy Dog uh, from Max Finer Foods, you have got to try. Those things are absolutely phenomenal. And if you love Pappy's recipes, then you can, you'll understand why those dogs taste so awesome. Um, and you can get those dogs at Market of Choice. Uh, world Foods. Soon to be back, Market Choice and, and World Foods and those guys. We're about a nice. week away from new and, production. And Thriftway, and right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, that's what we've got going forward. Thank you so much, Pappy, for being on with us again today. We really, really appreciate it. And we hope you have an amazing week. You guys are awesome. Thank All right, Pappy. Thanks. Thanks, Pap. Oh, man. I love that recipe. That sounds amazing. We've got to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about doors and windows in the exterior walls and how those need to be flashed properly in order to keep the weather on the outside and the heat or cool on the inside. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your weekend warriors. We'll be right back. Listening to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. You know, we were talking about walls, talking about interior walls, a little bit about exterior walls. Here's something about exterior walls: when you got windows and doors in your wall, they have to be properly flashed around the outside because water comes down right and uh you can't have water sitting uh on wood if water happens to get behind the siding you can't have water sitting on wood and, and staying there so you wrap the wood of an a window opening with 
adhesive flashing. And then you also have your vapor barrier comes down, ties into all that flashing. And that whole thing is done in just such a way that it prevents water damage and rot where your window is and right. also your door. So well, if you think about any exterior wall as a vertical roof, that's really how you want to think about it. It has to be layered in such a way that if water were to drip down, it could never drip down in behind something. Right. So if you ever look at something the way it's flashed, it's going to be flashed from the bottom up or built from the bottom up. So that way everything overlaps each other all the way up to the top. So if you have any water or rain hitting that, it's going to cascade down. And always be going on the outside of something. Correct. It's yep. never going to hit the shingling. inside. Proper shingling. Yeah, shingling effect. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, in the so we'll talk a little bit about that. The, the exterior, the main floor, or your walls, all of your walls, first and second floor. You're going to have exterior doors. You're going to have exterior windows. And in those windows and doors, you're going to have trim and flashing. Yeah. And there's, we all know there's a million different types of uh, woods out there. There's James Hardy products. There's composite, you know, LP. LP's a pretty good product nowadays. Uh, LP they, stands for Louisiana Pacific. Yep. They make, uh, L, they make lap and they make trim. They make all kinds of different products. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about doors and windows, Tony. That's kind of your specialty. Yeah, there's a lot of different kind of windows. And uh, when, you, when you're looking at a window, a lot of times you think of, of a window that does not open. Uh, that They call that a picture window or a stationary window. A window that does open is an operable window. A lot of times a very common window is a horizontal sliding window. It could slide left to right or right to left. Um, Sometimes you have vertical sliding windows. You used to call a double hung or a single hung. A double hung window actually is different because the top sash slides down and the bottom slash sash slides up. That's a, a double sash or a double hung window. Today we have windows that look like a double hung, but really only the bottom sash slides up. That's called a single hung window and the top sash is stationary. Um, apart from those types of sliding windows, you have hinged windows like an awning an awning is a window that um that is hinged at the top and cranks out from the bottom so you end up with uh with the opening at the bottom of the window you could also have a casement window a casement window is hinged on the side and opens up from the hinged side and generally when you have a casement window you're choosing left or right whichever side you want it to be hinged on and then um and then, of course, you've got multiple windows that are mold or ganged together to result in other types of things. You can have a bow or a bay, which is three or four or five windows side by side, maybe um, bowing out. And, and two of them are operable and the rest of them are stationary. But you also have vinyl windows, you have fiberglass windows and wood windows. And really, they perform in, in and their expense really is in that order. A vinyl window is a an inexpensive, a less expensive um, s sort of streamlined window. Middle of the road is like a fiberglass window. And with a fiberglass window, you can sometimes get a, a wood veneer on the inside that makes it look like a wood window. Fiberglass is very strong. Um, or you can have a more traditional um, wood window, solid wood window, wood frame, wood sash. And those come sometimes bare on the outside or primed. They also come with aluminum cladding on the outside which makes them even more 
durable from the outside. And then, of course, you have a, a bare or stained wood interior, which is absolutely gorgeous. Um, but wood windows, of course, are the most expensive by far, by far. Yeah, it's it's not it's not a joke. If you've decided that you want to have wood windows in your home and it would be absolutely beautiful, it's definitely a um, decision that you would have to make based on your budget because they are expensive. Doors, of course, uh, inexpensive door is going to be for an exterior wall. An inexpensive door is going to be a steel door. Flush, when you say flush steel, that means it's just flat and there's not anything about it that's different. Uh, a panel door has raised panels. It could be a two panel, four panel, six panel. Uh, you know, there's lots of different types. In a, in a steel or fiberglass is um, really the best performing door, um, although not the most expensive most expensive, of course, is a wood door, and they take maintenance, and you need to have a really good overhang to protect a wood door if you're going to have it on the house. There's one thing about fiberglass doors that you do have to keep in mind, is that you have to be cautious about the, the type of paint and the color of paint that you use if it's going to see direct sunlight. If you put a fiberglass door in an area that doesn't have a large overhang, which it's good for, but you paint it a dark color, like black, like black or dark blue or dark red, it's going to absorb that heat and it's going to expand and contract very wildly and it's going to cause problems. There are special paints they make. Uh, Sherwin-Williams, I think, makes one. I um, can't remember the name of it, but it has... Uh, uv reflectors in it to reflect that heat out yeah, they so call it, it a, they call it a vinyl safe paint yeah, vinyl is what safe. they call it um but the thing about it is it only goes so dark you end up with sort of a charcoal color really that's not black sort of a darker darker gray or um a darker brown but not a super dark brown and uh they're they're keeping it from getting too dark but it also has things in it that keep it adhering to the vinyl or fiberglass that you're putting it on so ask about that if you're buying paint for your fiberglass door. Okay, you also have doors, of course, with windows in them, and those windows can be obscured or not obscured. Um, they can have different uh, designs and stuff in them. But the, you add glass to an entry door, and this starts to get kind of expensive. You add grids to windows. It's not super expensive. Tempered windows, a little bit more expensive. If you're looking for laminated windows or triple pane windows, then you're starting to really add to the checkbook there. At that yeah, point. and they get into different uh, coatings and all those things. It just depends on what you're looking for, uh, what type of performance you want out of your windows. So there's a lot there. Yeah, there's a lot. Let's go back to the siding and trim and your weather-resistant barrier. That's another important aspect of any exterior wall. Uh, it all does start with your WRB, or, or was what we call it, um, or rain screen. That's another term that's thrown out there a lot. WRB stands for weather resistant barrier. Right. Not water. Some people say water resistant, but I, I prefer to say weather resistant. Yeah. Barrier. Yeah. It's not just water. Not when the wind's blowing it at 50 or 60 miles an hour. Yeah. It's water it becomes more than just water and air. Really? <laughs> yeah. So uh, with that, with that WRB, uh, there's this term rain screen thrown out a lot. And what that means is it's a gap. It allows you to have a gap between your wall sheathing and your siding. And what that gives you is an airspace to allow that wall to dry out if there's ever any moisture back there, either through water vapor or directly through uh, rain. You know, wind-driven rain will get back there and it allows it to drain out the bottom. That's why they call it a rain screen. 
Right. Um, then your different types of trim. It's all flashed properly. We talked about flashing a little bit. Caulking is also an essential part in any exterior siding project or, in, or, or component of your home. Uh, caulking is used as the first line of defense between any gap of trim, in siding, anything like that. That keeps any of that weather between the outside and your weather-resistant barrier. The weather-resistant barrier is your last line of defense before it gets into the wall the, cavity the wall cavity and the wood and can cause rot and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, those are the, those are your components yep. of your exterior wall. Yeah, uh, we, we talked about sheet siding and lap siding and, uh, and fiber cement siding, and uh, they all have pros and cons, but ultimately that's a decision that you have to make what's going to be the right one for you. Yeah. we got to take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to wrap up the house. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your weekend warriors. Don't go away. There's a reason Fortress Railing Products is one of the strongest brands in the railing industry. From commercial, code-tested products to diverse residential styles, Fortress Railing Products is a category creator with a complete line of railing solutions to turn your outdoor space into a living place. Fortress is committed to a higher standard for quality, strength, innovation, versatility, and ease of installation, which means you get a beautiful railing system that stands up to your busy life. Whether you're looking for iron, aluminum, or cable rail, we have the right solution for your outdoor living space. And installation is as easy as one. One, two, three. One, choose your pre-welded, pre-assembled panel. Two, choose your post and bracket. And three, select your personalization options. Fortress, products that inspire, designs that liberate. For a look that reflects your style, choose Marvin Windows and Doors. They'll enhance the essence of a room and the character of a home. Beautifully crafted with the most extensive selection of customizable options, it's easy to complement your vision. Marvin Windows and Doors are sold only at independent dealers who understand your home is more than your address. It's a feeling you create in a place that holds your dreams. Marvin Windows and Doors, built around you. Find exceptional service and inspiration at Par Design Center, your local Marvin dealer. Start your project with a trip to their Aloha location, where Par Design Center's experts can help you find easy and stylish replacement solutions for your next remodeling project. Family owned and operated since 1930. Go where the builders go. Par Design Center. Call Par Design Center at 503-614-2655 or visit online at par.com. That's P-A-R-R.com. Preparing your home for winter weather is an easy task for weekend warriors when you have the right tools. Small leaks in doors, windows, and siding can create big problems down the road. So make inspection of these areas a part of your annual home maintenance plan. Caulking that is cracked, peeling or pulling away from your trim can be cut and replaced with OSI Quad Advanced Formula Window, Door, and Siding Sealant. Designed for superior performance on exterior window, door, siding, and trim applications, OSI Quad can be applied to wet or dry surfaces and even at freezing temperatures. Unlike other sealants, Quad resists dirt and dust collection, yellowing, and water washout. Quad is self-tooling, available in a variety of colors, and once cured, is paintable. To learn more about OSI Quad, visit OSIPro.com.
Whether you're building a new home, remodeling an old home, or re-envisioning your backyard space, if you've got a project, go to Par Lumber for decks, fencing, kitchens, windows, doors, and more. Par Lumber, your neighborhood building and home improvement experts. For true rain screen protection under your exterior siding, not much compares to the unique three-dimensional matrix of Home Slicker. Home Slicker provides a continuous space for drainage and drying, a thermal break, and pressure equalization, eliminating the threat of trapped moisture. Home Slicker is easy to install, ventilates the entire wall surface, can be used behind stone, stucco, and lap siding, saves time and labor costs, and even offers a 50-year warranty. To learn more about Home Slicker, visit BenjaminObdike.com. At PAR, we're more than just lumber, because we know people want more than just lumber. That's why we sell grills, sealers, stains, wheelbarrows, rags, bags, extension cords, shop lights, saws, blades, ladders, and oh yeah, Yeti coolers and Yeti thermoses. Visit your local PAR lumber and find any one of the many, many things that we sell every single day. Welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today in the show, Tony and I are breaking down the house and building it back up from the bottom up. Yeah, we're, we're picking it apart. We're picking it apart from the ground up. Yep. We went over uh, the crawl space. We talked about that. We talked about the, the joist system, your floor, your walls, even the second floor, if you have one. Windows and doors, flashing siding. Yeah, exterior, everything, all of the components that put together your home. Uh, we've made our way to the roof. Yep. And uh, do you say roof or roof? I say roof. Roof. Rough. No, not rough. Roof. Roof. Yeah, I say roof. I like to say roof. This is where you get dried in. Uh, this is where you put sheeting on the roof, whether it's CDX or oriented strand board, wafer board. Uh, you sheet the roof, um, but you, you have to have a structure to sheet. And the structure is either going to be hand cut or hand framed or it's gonna be trusses. Trusses are very common. They, they take the, the set of prints, they determine what width the trusses need to be and what pitch the trusses need to be and what their job is gonna be and what your roof line is gonna look like, where you need hips and where you need valleys and all that stuff. Now, what are the difference between hips and valleys and gables? Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, gable end, if you, you look at a, an A, framed style house and you're looking at the the house with the point then you're looking at the gable end of the house um if you're looking at a house and you see roofing on an angle back all the way around and no gable end that's got siding on it then you're looking at a a, a hip a hip house or a hip roof and that's uh that's going to be roofing all the way around with no gable ends um a valley is where two gables come together and you end up with um, uh, the low point on the roof and a valley where the roofing comes down is always flashed uh, with a, a valley flashing underneath there. So the roofing will come together, um, but just be left apart a little bit and they'll just give way to the flashing and the water will run down the flashing and into the gutter and uh, down the downspout and gone. We won't get into flat roofs today yeah there's a lot there there's a lot more to do with flat roofs you've got your parapet wall you've got crickets all kinds of weird terminology up there that 
allows the water to drain uh, because a flat roof isn't really flat. Yeah. It can't be. Yeah. Water has to be able to drain off of there. Yeah, so. actually, a, a flat roof that's really flat, Corey, is called a pool. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Make a good point. Um, but the roof has got roof vents, right? They cut these holes that are about, I don't know, eight by eight or so, maybe nine by nine holes in the in the sheeting all the way across the top. And each roof vent that's up there uh, is responsible for a certain amount of cubic foot of attic space. And it needs to be able to ventilate the attic. And so if you have an attic that is uh, so many cubic feet of airspace, the amount of roof fence that you will need to adequately ventilate that attic uh, is dependent on that size. So each one is maybe 8.5 or 9.5 cubic feet of ventilation, or I don't know, maybe it's 25, whatever it is. There's a, there's a science behind how many roof fence you have. Roof fence don't have to be on top of the roof. A roof fence also can be at the peak underneath the, uh, the ridge. They also can be in the case of Corey's house, they're about halfway down the sheeting, and he has got some inline vents there, which uh, it's, you can't even almost see it from the road. It's very, very cool looking. How do you describe those vents? Well, that, those would actually be in place of the soffit vents. Uh, every roof has to be ventilated from the bottom through the top. And in, in the case of my house, my house was built with cedar shingle. And they didn't need as many soffit vents because the cedar shingle just breathed really well. Yeah. <laughs> so when they came in and put composite roofing on it later on down the road, they didn't think about the venting at all. And they didn't add any at the, at the uh, eave line. Well, what happens then is no air is getting in, therefore no air is getting out. Superheated attic yep, space. Superheated. So I added all of that venting at the bottom just above the plate line, above the wall line, I guess should, I should say, and uh, it goes on top of the roof. You cut a strip, and then this special piece comes in there that kind of looks like a really fat shingle and uh, allows it to vent at the bottom. And then I put um, ridge venting in, uh, like Tony was talking about. Right at those, the peak. Yep, at the peak. They also make the vents you were talking about with the uh, they're square, they're big, they kind of come off the surface of the roof a few inches, and that allows air to escape out of those. Um, yeah, essentially, essentially, the two vents work together. The soffit vents and the roof vents work in harmony, and you get this circular motion of ventilation, and it's, uh, it's coming in through the soffit vents and out through the roof vents, which keeps the air in your attic from becoming stagnant and hot, and you don't get that heat buildup in there. And that's a, a very important marriage between those two types of vents. They can't do it without each other. Right. And there needs to be a proper amount of them in the house. So let's talk a little bit about the roof structure itself. There's different types of ways that house roof trusses or roofs are, say, are constructed, either trust or hand cut with roof rafters and ceiling joists. Yeah. Uh, hand cut roofs are very complex. They're built with, you know, angles and bird's mouth cuts and all of these uh, very specific angular cuts to, to manufacture that roof. And it's kind of a dying art. You don't see it too often anymore because of the advent of roof trusses. Plus the labor and the money that goes into it, right? But what you end up with in a hand cut roof apart from a lot of hours of hard labor, is a very unique cut of roof, which, honestly, for me, Corey, super attractive. 
I love the look of a hand cut roof. I love those hips and valleys. I love those gable ends. I love all of that stuff. I mean, a lot of the stuff that you can get some of that with trusses, but when you look at it, uh, a trust roof versus a hand cut roof there, there's just no comparison. Well, describe what a truss is. Yeah, a truss is a prefabbed, a, a sort of shaped or triangular shaped um, structure that um, allows you to have an, uh, a roof up on top uh, and an attic space in between. And they're, they're fabricated together with top and bottom cords. There's two top cords that come together at a apex and a bottom cord that ties the two of those together down near the bottom. The, the top cords on each side are a little bit longer, which give you what they call truss tails. Your truss tails give you a little bit of an overhang um, over the, the walls of the exterior walls of the home. And, um, and then in between, there is some webbing, some gussets, if you will, that come down at different angles in order to support the top cords. So the bottom cord and the top cords are tied together by these little gussets in the middle. Here's the thing about trusses. They're very supportive of the top, the, the weight, the load, load that's going to be on top of them. They're supportive of that. But the bottom cord is already carrying that load because the top cord and bottom cords are tied together. So we should not be adding load to the bottom cord of trusses, which right. is some, it's a mistake that's made often because people just think, oh, look, it's wood. It must be strong. The fact is you can overload the bottom cord of a truss and cause it to fail. And it doesn't really take that much. So if you don't have trusses that were made for storage, attic storage, then your bottom cord of your truss is not strong enough to hold very much stuff. So you got to be super careful about that. True, true. So uh, last couple things in the roof are, of course, your gutters. Yep. Your gutters are going to be on every surface or fascia board. Uh that has water that comes down it should anyway uh and that water is going to go down to a downspout and down away from your home uh, you're also going to have uh, insulation there's gonna be tons of insulation up there code requirement right now i think is r38 yeah but i think it's going up r40 or something probably r45 yeah, it's, maybe it's going up it goes up every year they want your house to be you think of that as like the hat yeah it's a warm blanket that sits on the very top of your house that prevents all that you know, warm heat air, loss. heat loss, and all yeah. that stuff. Uh, then the last thing on there is your uh, roof underlayment and your roofing. You know, there's a lot of things actually to consider when you're talking about the roof because there's a lot of different kinds of roof. Composition roof, metal roof. You can have wood shingles or shakes on your roof. Yeah. Uh, torch down. You know, sometimes it depends on the pitch of the roof. Um, but whatever the situation is with the roof, it is definitely an area of the house that we need to pay a lot of attention to. If you're missing some portion of your roof, uh, that's something that needs to be addressed and, of course, repaired. If you have questions about that or want to get some advice, you can go into any PAR lumber yard and talk to a salesperson there. They've got a lot of really good advice. You might even end up talking to Corey if you're, uh, if you're careful. Yeah. I know we went through this really fast, but we really wanted to touch on the things about the home that should get the most of your attention and just so that you would understand how to address those things or where to find those things or what to call those things in case you need to get some advice from a professional at Par Lumber Company, for example. Absolutely. And uh, and then you would know what you were talking about. Thank you so much for tuning in uh, today and listening to us. This has been another episode of Your Weekend Warriors right here on the Weekend Warriors Radio Network. Have a great week.